Good morning. Last reading of the new of the year. First John four eleven through seventeen. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we love, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. The word of the Lord. So it's good to be back home. This is one of my two or three home churches now. Uh, so I was made, made emeritus at South City Church uh, which I don't know what that means. It's like, oh, you did some great work. Your name is going to be on all of our programs as the Emeritus, but we don't need you to come around no more. Uh, <laughs> I was joking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I love South City. Uh, Renee and I, we've been doing work with uh, churches, uh, actually doing a lot of work with Black Baptist churches. Uh, and uh, our, our daughter, Michelle, the senior pastor of a church in uh, North City. So we get an opportunity to, to see a lot of our different home churches. And uh, we, we love Mary. We love what she has learned mostly from her mother and Jesus. And we love Central West End Church. So when I say home church, I, I really mean it. Uh, my voice is kind of down. I just drove back from Chattanooga, Tennessee last night. And uh, but we just thank God for being here. So this scripture, uh, you saw the word love a lot. And I'm going to focus uh, mostly on 7 through 11, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. And a lot of folks say, <clears throat> and you know, that was like a Saturday Night Live skit where the guys would come out singing, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. And, you know. And then Boston, one of my favorite groups, 1976, Boston came out with a song, and it was basically saying more than a feeling. You know, I would sing that song, but I cannot hit that high note without standing on the table, you know. Uh, it's more than a feeling, basically. But for some of us, we've really never experienced love as anything other than a feeling. And when we have experienced it as more than a feeling, we thought folk were actually against us, or they were trying to hurt us, because sometimes love can be painful. Uh, I was gonna say love hurts, but that's a song too, okay. Uh, <clears throat> love is an intense emotion. It's self-sacrificial. So I pray that as I go through this short piece of, of the sermon, 
that I can help you understand not only a little bit more the love of Jesus for you, but the love that we ought to have for one another. Father, I pray that you would be with my brothers and sisters. Help us understand what it means that he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That you could show that you are a God who is righteous in all of your actions to be able to say, I hate sin and sin is worthy of death. But to send your son to save us because you are a friend of sinners. And we just thank you. Let the church say thank God. Amen. Tina, Tina Turner, who just passed this year, uh, <clears throat> she had a song that most, I know most black preachers, we preached it as a sermon title because it basically would preach itself. What's love got to do with it? And when you say, oh, my text is, what's love got to do with it? Most folks start thinking about, well, what does love have to do with it? And you try to do that even though you might be sitting next to somebody you love. It's like, why am I with this fool? So uh, what's love got to do with it? Then there was a song by the Righteous Brothers called When a Man Loves a Woman. Let me tell you, they broke it on down. When a man loves a woman, he cannot keep his mind on nothing else. If she plays him for a fool, he's the last one to know. We all knew she was playing you, bro. But you were so in love, you just said, no, she ain't like that. Now, the genders, it goes back and forth, too. Because if a woman really loves a man, he gets away with some dirt. But that's the power of saying, no, this person has, I have so much into the, I'm so much into this person, I will sacrifice things I shouldn't for this person. B.B. King had a song called The Thrill Is Gone. And I mean, the thrill is gone. Because, you know, and I'm thinking the song is, you know, Eric, it was once intense love. And I think it might have been more erotic love, you know, you know, than agape-ish love. I don't even know if that's a word. But, but what happens in our relationships, to our relationships, when the thrill is gone? I mean, Renee and I, we've been married going on 45 years. And I know there have been some days that if she could have got away with it, she would have killed me and buried me in the back of our house. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, it's true. You know, so some of you brothers who are thinking, my wife would never, she would never, you know, put antifreeze in my Kool-Aid. I'm just saying, maybe she won't. But we know that it ain't always, I just love you, I can't eat, I can't sleep, you know. Um, so some things, just love, it just ought to happen. Because of what God did for us. And if you've been a Christian more than 20 minutes, you probably came to Christ. 
Because somebody told you what God did for you. Even in one of these texts, God sent his son to be a propitiation. That's a 50-cent seminary word. To be a life for life. An atoning sacrifice that satisfied, I'll use temple language, it satisfied the holiness of God, a life for life. So some things just ought to happen between you and me, whether it's in style or not. Whether that's or the hardest thing is them folk actually, they actually love each other. Well, give it about three years. They'll hate each other again. That ought not to happen. When I was at Covenant Seminary as a student, and now when I was there, there was like three black folk there. It was like, like where's all the black people at? I, I grew up in St. Louis. I know they're here. <laughs> so at Covenant, and Kevin, he knows. He's sitting over there, Vandy Brink. So I was a student. I was staff. I was faculty, I was a dean, I was a trustee. And I did this all being a black dude. I mean, this is some accomplishment. But it was what I saw as a student at Covenant that probably had the most effect on me. We went into taking an exam, and they passed out the exams. We were taking the exams uh, in the, the uh, Rayburn Chapel. My first year, 1992, I just resigned the Army Commission to become a chaplain, went to Covenant. They were passing out exams, but I noticed there were no proctors. I mean, we just going to take the exam. Nobody's watching us to make sure we ain't cheating. Where's the proctor? So we just, I'm going to go take the exam. Even though you told me not to use any helps, I could use them and you won't see me. It's like saying don't use chat CPT to, to write the answer to the parables of the kingdom. But you ain't here, so I can cheat if I want to. That was a statement on the box where we got our exams from. And it basically said, since we are training you for the ministry of Jesus Christ to the people and you're becoming leaders in the church, cheating ought not to happen. Well, it's on me. Am I going to cheat or not? Because it's your decision, Mike. What kind of leader are you going to be? Brothers and sisters, to cheat on an exam ought not to happen. Ought just means it's logical to do it. Ought not means it's illogical to do it. So 
We ought to love each other. It's just logical. On 11 April 1970, Apollo 13, and you might remember the movie, but in 1970, the Apollo 13 aircraft, jet, lunar module, and the command module, lifted off from Cape Kennedy to conduct a lunar landing. In the midst of all of the stuff that the astronauts had to do, they had to make sure that the oxygen in oxygen tank number two did not become solid. It's like going to 7-Eleven and getting a Slurpee that's solid and trying to suck it through a straw. It's a rock. So how do you do that? You have to figure out how to stick something in the Slurpee and stir it to bring it back to a, a, a consistency that you can suck it through a straw. Apollo 13 astronauts had to stir the liquid oxygen to make sure it could be usable for fuel and for their own oxygen. And when they went to stir oxygen tank number two, it ignited a wire and it caused an explosion. And what they heard was, bam! Now, these folk were 248,655 miles from the earth. And, and Jenny, I think if you and I are that far from the earth, the last thing you want to hear is, bam! Jim Lovell, the commander of the mission, looked out of his window and he saw a gas shooting out into outer space. And that's when they contacted Houston. And he said, Houston, we're having a problem. Some folks said, no, they said, Houston, we have had a problem. Some folks say, Houston, we have a problem. But the problem is, it's a problem. They had to figure out in Houston how to get three people who were, did I say 248,655 miles from the earth back down to this planet, even today, that is the farthest distance that human beings have ever been away from this planet. Now, <clears throat> NASA could have just said, well, it's a failed mission. Guys, we can't get you back. Your family's going to sue us. We're going to look bad, but we probably got enough money to just pay off your families, give you a nice memorial. We'll, you know, we'll give you a, a monument in, in uh, Arlington Cemetery, but we can't get you back. Why would you care about somebody that far away? I mean... I left North St. Louis in 1982 for the Army. And I left North St. Louis and I told God, I'll never go back. 
I said, God, have you seen North St. Louis? Have you seen it? I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Do you know what that place looks like now? Why should I care about that? I'm going to the army. I'm going to be somebody. Even better question is, why why should God care about us? Stevie Wonder had a song in 1974 on his album, Fulfilling This First Finality. And in one of his songs, he said, they say that heaven is 10 zillion light years away. Then another part of the song, he said, why can't they say that hate is 10 zillion? Light years away. How come they can't say that sexism is 10 zillion light years away? Why does heaven have to be so far? And then the song he said, it's not that heaven is so far. It's just that we as humans have so far to go. In our text, Verses 7 through 9, John says, dear friends, let us love one another. So it's sort of reflexive middle. It means let me make me do what I need to do for you. And while I'm making me make me do what I need to do, you make you make you. Because it seems like somebody has left us in a room by ourselves with an exam, and it just says, y'all ought to love one another. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. In other words, you are conscious of God's love. You are not sleepwalking, which is one of the most dangerous things in the creation is a sleepwalker. You're not sleepwalking. And because we're not, we know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If, if a person doesn't know God, I don't hate them. I just want them to know God. A lot of people do really, really vicious things over and over and over again. They've hurt you. You've hurt them. A lot of it is because we just don't know who we are. And we don't know who God is. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent. I could stop right there. He sent somebody, but not just anybody. John says in the beginning, that was the word. And the word was God. The word was with God. The word was in the beginning with God. So as the Logos, and it's talking to Jesus as the son, Jesus never began to be the son of God. Humanly speaking, he began in the stable and came out of a teenage brown girl. 
But he was always the son of God. The word became flesh and he lived with us. Why would anybody come that far to save folk who are not lost in space but lost in sin? Let me read something. Affection and infatuation are both emotional states that involve strong feelings of attraction towards somebody else. Affection is typically characterized by feelings of warmth, fondness, and attachment towards someone, while infatuation is characterized by intense feelings of attraction or obsession that are often short-lived and may not be based on a realistic evaluation of the other person. God is not infatuated with you because he doesn't really know you. Oh, God's only you. I mean, God knows what you're thinking right now. I mean, he knows what you're thinking before you start thinking it. God knows you. See, if you really knew me, would you let me pursue you? I hope so. Eric's a good pastor. I hope he's a good judge of character since it's, he's letting me preach to you. But do you know that some of us are afraid that people who say they love us may be just infatuated with us because they don't really know us? God knows you. He's not infatuated. It's not temporary. It's forever. Back to Apollo 13. The engineers and the technicians in Houston said, we're going to bring these boys home. How are we going to do it? They said, we have to recreate the same conditions in Houston as they have in space. They said, whatever they have up there to work with, that's what we're going to work with down here. And we're going to mirror them. They're going to mirror us. We're going to talk to them. One guy wouldn't even use a flashlight because it didn't have the same type batteries. And what they had to do was to leave the command module and used the lunar module, which was really just to land on the moon's surface. They had to use that, power it up, and slingshot themselves. Now, you know, I'm telling you, God is somebody to give us the ability. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, God knows physics. I mean, he knows astrophysics. I mean, God knows stuff. He said, now this, these are human beings like you and me in Houston saying, now guys, what are we going to do? We got to do all the stuff and, you know, stuff like that. And, and what we're gonna, you're going to have to slingshot your way around the moon and burn 
into the earth's gravitational pull. That's what they did. And they landed in the South Pacific. I mean, I preach in, in Huntsville, Alabama. And I teach for a school down there. You know, those are some of the smartest people. And I'm not saying they're better than us in St. Louis because we got the Cardinals. <laughs> Look, don't let me get started. Look, but you ask little kids in Huntsville, Alabama, so what do you want to be when you grow up, sweetie? Well, I want to be a thermonuclear engineer. I thought it was going to say, a, you know, a firefighter. But, but it's something how God gives us the ability to understand how to slingshot around the moon. And we still don't like each other. Brothers and sisters, Verses 10 and 11, and I'm just about finished. Verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, dear friends, since God so loved us, we are also to love one another. Jesus gave his life to save us. We ought to sacrifice. And we're still in that week between Christmas and New Year's. In this song written by Adolphe Adam in 1847 based on a French poem. And I think you've heard it here recently. Listen to this. Especially all of you who are still waiting in Advent. You're waiting on a ride home right now. We're all waiting on a ride. The Holy Spirit says you're going to take a ride but we're all waiting on a ride. Oh holy night the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We just were waiting. We were broken hearted no worth. We were helpless. And then, bam, he appeared. <laughs> and what happened? The soul felt his worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices because the world was tired. Do you ever get tired? I mean, I mean, you just, you just say, Lord, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. I, I, I see, I see, I see folk my age chasing little kids. Maybe they got started late in life, but I'm like, I'm just tired looking at you. My, thank, thank God you can have kids in your fifties. All life comes from God, but my God, I just, I'm so glad I'm not you. Um, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. I mean, it's like you just fall down and say, God, thank you. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. God remembered us. He's taken us home. John 14, 3, and I don't know, sometimes 
I like to read the Bible and act like, you know, I'm still over in North St. Louis, which I love. I love North St. Louis. But Jesus in John 14, 3 says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I kind of feel like Jesus dropped the mic and just said, look, if I go, I'm coming back and get you myself. That's what he says. You're going home. You may feel like you might be in an Apollo 13 spaceship right now, and you see all your oxygen venting out into outer space, and you lay your head on your pillow at night and say, Jesus, I'm having a problem. That feeling of lostness, worthlessness, helplessness, uselessness, when he appeared, your soul should feel its worth. Jesus died for you. He died for us, all of us. Every race, every voting block, every SEC, AC, ACC football team. Who, I mean, you know, sorry about Florida State, but, I, you know, it's just it's a game. You may deal with, Lord, I want to go home. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I have this constant egoish fear that no matter how many titles I get, I still ain't worth nothing. I know it's wrong. But somewhere, the enemy said, you see, that's who you really are. It don't make no mistake. Could, I could write a sentence and forget to put a coal in there. You see, you don't know what you're doing. Brothers and sisters, we're waiting on a ride home. And it's coming. And we're going to be in a place where we'll never be lost. We'll never be tired. There will be no more tears. There'll be no there'll be no more hospitals, funeral homes. There'll be no more counseling for all types of abuse. We'll be back. We won't splash down, but we'd be taken up with him. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for Central West End. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for this home that you provided for me and my family. And we just ask, oh God, that we would, we would understand that, Lord, you could not replicate what we had here in your, in, in your throne because it's all holy, holy, holy. But you sent somebody. And I'm so glad that you sent Jesus who is now with us through his spirit and is coming back to receive, will come back and receive us to himself. In Jesus' name, amen.